Welcome back to Pribla Is I don't remember what our podcast is called. Pretty little grown men. Pretty pretty little grown men. Pretty little yeah okay. Pretty little grown men. Our um, weekly PLGM. podcast. Uh, we have returned, uh, and this was the second really good episode in a row. I thought season five episode blah blah blah. Uh, fifth, six, fifteen, sixteen. I think fifteen. Uh, over a barrel is the title of this episode. A barrel figures prominently. Uh, and this was like the first time where they sort of, I think maybe even in show history, where they sort of set up this evidence, they mm-hmm. find something, and instead of like letting curiosity kill the cat, um, they just kind of peace out on it. And they're like, well, maybe Mona's body is inside this storage unit barrel being preserved by denatured alcohol well i mean they kind of do they kind of do what they always do in every episode of of pretty little liars which is they just they don't have they just assume that something is the case like right you know which has been really bad the last couple episodes oh yeah because intense stoner paranoia well now that now that uh they've just decided completely that uh allison is a um they can't they can't think of a as anyone else right they're locked into a narrative right as the show like i mean i think the show to an it's interesting because there's like the parallel between what the characters believe and then like what the show would like you to believe Mm -hmm. right like when they were like ezra's a five episodes later eh, probably not yeah you know and i think that uh well two things one is that they finally, in this episode, are starting to um, say, like, well, you know, uh, they're starting to talk, talk a lot about um, how uh, if Allison is A, then she must have help. And right. so the cops are finally starting to figure out that she must have help. Um, and I forgot the other thing that I was going to say. I don't know. Uh, um, there's Well, I mean, as always, I think there's a lot to unpack um, I think one of the interesting things in this episode was how they dealt with uh, Hannah and her mom. And I thought Hannah was really great about being up front and going to Mrs. Marin and being like, Ms. Marin, mm-hmm. uh, and being like, hey, I saw what you did with Jason. Are you going to come clean about that shit? And I appreciated that um, Pastor Ted comes back after being, you know, gone for like multiple episodes and then finding out oh yeah i was in a foreign country like doing good church stuff yeah you know uh, i actually remember what i was going to say um because yes. I, do, I do want to talk about uh miss is it is it miss Marin or mrs Marin? because well, Mrs. because it's her legal it's right. her yeah. it's her ex-husband's name yeah right. right okay um it's that i do you think that the show wants its audience to think that allison is a because it feels like it is so obvious that Allison isn't A, that well, they are the only people who think that Allison is A are the liars. Right. And they're ancillary significant others. Well, I think the show is trying to put itself in a position where, like it did in this past season, where it was like, Allison's back, she's mostly innocent, you should feel sympathetic for her. And then hard pivoted into, no, she's a sociopath, she's mm-hmm. A, she's terrorizing everyone for her own gain. Yeah. And now it's pivoting back to, well, 
she's in jail and all this stuff's still happening and CC is probably A or, you right. know, well, somebody else. There's this whole chain of things. And I think there's a relationship between Jason and Holbrook that we can discuss mm -hmm. for sure. Uh, but I think the show is pivoting back to setting up Allison becoming a sympathetic character and becoming like proved innocent and mm -hmm. as not the killer of Mona, which of course like washes the slate clean of everything she did during her disappearance of two years, you know, right. which I'm sure includes a bunch of heinous stuff. Right. But yeah, I think they're totally positioning it to be another reversal and another like, oh, she's innocent now. You were, you were wrong liars. And mm -hmm. so they can like, you know, continue to flip and flip and flip. I want to see a whole flashback episode of Allison's former life. Yeah, that totally. seems like it'd be a, like a really interesting. I mean, I want to see the real flashback of what happened the night she died, or the night she, you know, was put in the ground. Mm -hmm. Like, did she even ever go on the ground? Is that a real thing that happened? Well, yeah. Well, then, if she didn't go on the ground, then who did uh, Mrs. Grunwald fish out of the that's out true. of the grave? That's true. Grunwald's a reliable source. <laughs> but we haven't even she heard, sure is we haven't heard her version of the story per se we only know that she Allison was calling her and that the night of Allison's whatever she found her you know yeah. well so I guess she was actually buried you know there are so many accounts that it's hard to sort of keep track of like what was real what is like Allison's version is a lie mm -hmm. you know yeah well presumably yeah, I think uh, you know a lot. A lot happened during this episode. A lot. There's a lot of um, runaround. It felt like a an episode full of distractions, mm -hmm. where revelations came along surreptitiously through uh, the distractions um, of other characters and sort of like coming upon revelations in really odd ways. Um, like, uh, for example, Arya being led around town, um, supposedly to just end up delivering flowers to Hannah. Right. But Arya's uh, sort of sojourn through downtown uh, and to the flower shop uh, lent a lot more credence to the fact that Jason is totally full of shit and is obviously manipulating a lot of stuff well, so th to me, this was like deeply weird because it's so flagrant. Mm -hmm. Holbrook texts Arya because he somehow has Arya's number, and because Arya is somehow the person he would want to contact instead of right. Hannah. Why would why would he contact Arya out of anyone? Yeah, that was super like out felt out of nowhere to mm -hmm. me. Um, and then she goes to meet him, runs into Jason. Holbrook doesn't show up. Jason's like. Oh, so let's sit down. Oh, here's this theory that the I cops was... have. Tell me what you think about it. Like, I know. like pretty obviously pulling, trying to get information on her, particularly information about Holbrook. Do you think he was actually supposed to meet Mrs. Marin? Actually, no. I think Holbrook. No. And, I think he and Holbrook set it up no. that he would go and have a conversation with Arya, who and you know Jason. By the way, has not had any kind of conversation like this with Spencer, his sister. Mm -hmm. So this is like pretty clearly. Let me talk to this vulnerable person uh, and get information out of her. Why, you know, and it's, remember when uh, we first found out that possibly Ezra was A, and then suddenly he, he became like this really super sketchy dude on the show? Yeah, that was like my favorite, one of my favorite runs of the show was that transition. That's starting to happen with Jason, where it's like, 
now that there's this sort of suspicion put on Jason, it's not as it's not as flagrant or as obvious, but now that there's right. a suspicion put on Jason that he has, you know, underhanded things happening, everything that he does just seems so incredibly fake and manipulative. Right. His I whole agree. conversation with Arya, it's it's like since when did any of the liars forget that Jason like was always a sketchy character in their lives? Right. That he was always like the really gross, sketchy older brother of one of their good friends. Right. And now suddenly he's like so caring and sensitive, and it's like it's not like it's been that long. Not a whole lot has happened. Well, I think he's been sort of. You know, the show goes by the principle of, like, one thing happens and it affects your your opinion of that person, I think, which is, like, a very teenage view, right? And But he disappeared for so long and he never once explained where he went. Absolutely. No, that's true. I, but I think, you know, he also just put his sister in jail, and so they see him as, like, this guy who just solved their problem yeah. of getting rid of Allison. That's true. Um, so I think they're reacting, especially Arya is reacting to um, those actions and not really... You know, there's a lot of denial going on in the show. No one really wants to think, you know, God, what if this A network is five people? Or what about all this shit we've uncovered in the last few years that has no explanation? Like, you know, God, maybe we should come up with a unified theory for some of this shit. Mm -hmm. And they don't really want to do that. It's true. They do seem to avoid uh, finding motivations for all the harassment that they've been experiencing. Mm -hmm. You know, they never really talk about that. They never really talk about why any of this is happening. Right. Um, well, I want to say the thing that... Or why... You know, sorry, go on. Oh, no. But the thing that really struck me about this whole weird inter- interplay between Arya and Jason and Holbrook is that she gets this other message from Holbrook saying, go to this flower shop, mm-hmm. and then it's flowers from Jason to Mrs. Marin. And if you're, <laughs> if you're Arya... And you just saw Jason that day, mm-hmm. and then you're instructed to go to this flower shop, and you pick up these flowers, also from Jason, and you're being led around by Holbrook, mm-hmm. like, or by an H initial, how do you not immediately say to Hannah, I'm being played, this is super fucked? Like, it's so obvious, there's not even an attempt to hide any kind of connection. Well... So how do how does that not, like... What's the point of establishing that connection? And how is Arya somehow not able to, like, understand what's happening? And why would they make it so obvious? I think that, um, maybe this is a bit callous to say, but I think that it's finally come the time to say that Arya is a dumb person. She's just a dumb character. I don't really think that she is very bright. And she is constantly has this sort of... I don't want to go down the path of of expounding on my hate for Arya because I really dis- completely dislike her character. But I don't think she's a very bright character. But more, and so it's not really surprising that she's not starting to like connect these dots. But what's more surprising is that uh, there's there's obviously a lot that's not being said and somehow she's accepting that where, uh, especially when she's talking to, um, Hannah and Hannah's just like, don't, don't like, don't worry about this at all. Like, don't, don't even think about this. And whereas even 
even a dumb liar would demand an explanation when something so obviously is is off. Is, yeah, and, right. And being unsaid. And that's kind of the, the with, with the flowers for Jason. Like, what's wait? Why is she? Why is he sending her flowers? Just even why like am I most, here? Right. Why am I here? And then right. and then and then Hannah offers her no explanation whatsoever. Right. That I don't even remember. You know, I don't even remember how that conversation ended because it it was such a non conversation. Right. And then she just goes back downstairs, and Arya like disappears from the house in her teleport in her Star Trek teleporter. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That. Zoop. That was like a very unsatisfying scene to me. Although I was really happy that we finally run into Mona's computer again, which it was somehow, solved. It all got solved for us, right? But which brings up like, why did Caleb give Arya Mona's unhackable computer? How on earth does that? How on earth did that happen? How did she have it in the first place? I feel like for new listeners, we should recap that two episodes ago we were totally. Uh, befuddled by uh, what happened when Arya was attacked in the um, what we eventually discovered was the re- getting remodeled co- coffee shop. Right. She was attacked, and A took something that looked like Mona's computer, but we couldn't figure out for the life of us why Arya would have Mona's computer. And we still don't have <laughs> an answer because if it can't be hacked, why would Caleb say, yeah, take Mona's computer, which yeah. is unhackable and presumably unusable, and use it to like hack into some private school database? That's a good idea for you. Or, or Caleb, who's basically spent three months trying to break this computer's encryption right. and was just like, well, you, know, you might as well take it. Like, I don't have any use for it anymore. Like, you would think that someone of Caleb's, uh, I don't know, the proclivities would become incredibly attached to that computer. Right. And especially as someone who has been, in these last couple episodes, crazy paranoid. Mm-hmm. Like, to a point that we, like, he's reaching emotional extremes in the wake of his, you know, Ravenswood days. Yeah. Uh, and somehow considers himself attached to the liar stuff and to A in a way Mm -hmm. that maybe he actually isn't. And he seems to be putting himself in this position like, oh, I could be found responsible or I could have my prints on the murder weapon. And it's becoming very like, dude, whatever you're smoking, like you need to maybe cut back a little bit, (laughs) you know? Uh, We haven't seen him with any substance abuse problems since he um, became... An Alcoholics Anonymous member. Yeah. Um, that didn't happen, but he did quit drinking magically. Yeah, it was real easy for him. Right. I guess when you're, you know, when you're young, you got the whole, you got your whole life ahead of you. But I do wonder, like, and Toby seems super paranoid too. And I guess, you know, the stakes are higher for Toby because he's working for the cops now. Mm-hmm. So he has a job to lose and everything. Yeah, Toby's Toby's paranoia makes sense. I mean, I'm not, I'm not totally writing off. Uh, Toby's guilt because it's it's obvious that he could still be totally involved. Well, and he was under. I mean, some of these emotional beats are coming from stuff that happened like four or five seasons ago. Mm-hmm. So Toby being, you know, uh, considered a, a murderer or whatever, and yeah. then having his name cleared. So he has a lot going on, and we don't. The show doesn't necessarily hold your hand and tell you, "Hey, you should remember that." Like Toby has had issues with the law, and like might be a little bit uptight about it. You right, know? right. Because I was struggling to be like, why, why is he freaking out about this? 
Do you, well, do you think that, like, so last episode, him and Spencer had sort of a blow-up, and uh, over the, over uh, Spencer and Caleb um, going to steal the, the, the knife and then attempting to destroy it, which mm-hmm. presumably it's been destroyed, but I have a feeling it hasn't been. It's going to pop up some other time. Yeah, I mean, it's, you know, it's going to be like a Marvel superhero. You can't get rid of these. You can't kill anybody. Mm-hmm. They always come back. Um, and, uh, you know, so it seemed like, uh, Toby and Spencer's, uh, relationship was on, was on the rocks. Um, but, you know, and so they're, they're kind of at, they're, things aren't going very well, but what seems to be coming through is more just a general incompatibility between the, the, the two characters. Like, Spencer is very much all for this new, uh, you know, bohemian bro who moved into the the carriage house. Right. You know, he's older. He's been to Italy. (laughs) He has been to Italy. He's an artist. Although I think what what we're seeing is not like first season 15-year-old Spencer who's boy crazy. But I think we're seeing someone who genuinely wants to escape and have a life and have like you know she's talking to him about italy and i was like oh my god spencer actually has real life interests you mm-hmm. know like she's actually a human person who would like to <laughs> who would like to do things other than you know obsess over um her friend's dead body in like a, a canister um so i didn't see it so much as flirtatious i know the show is trying to set it up as like well here's another boy who knows what could happen with a boy? Well, I didn't see this flirtatious either. What I saw it as it was a clear sign that, you know, Spencer and Toby are growing apart in a very natural way. Right. Which is the fact that you know, when, and when when you're in when you're in high school and you have this first like love, you know, and arguably, you're the person that you like you lose your virginity to, and you don't you can't possibly comprehend that other loves exist um because that that first connection is so intense um you sort of lose track of the fact that maybe you're not really that much like this other person or that you have really different wants and desires and goals right and when you see and when you see spencer and toby together I've I've always I mean I've never disliked them as a couple, but you always get that feeling where it's just like they don't really seem to belong together. You wonder like what what especially what Spencer sees in Toby. He seems like a competent guy, but he doesn't seem to like really be into anything that she's into. Right. I mean, besides he, he, Sleuthin. Right. He he doesn't really actually seem to have any interests. Although there's a nice scene of them playing uh, Scrabble tonight, uh, which I thought was like a cute moment. But, yeah, I mean, I think they've always been the oddest couple on the show, mm-hmm. like, for sure. Uh, and I think Spencer was interested in him because there was, like, some... Re- it was, like, a rebellious thing, you yeah. know? He's this kind of... This guy who feels a little bit dangerous, and he's from the wrong side of the tracks, mm-hmm. and, you know, he's not in this sort of, you know, uh, rich, preppy lifestyle that this pathway that she's sort of been put on by her parents so i think it all felt like you know very new and risque for her and like (laughs) you know he has a six-pack and he's cute i guess and all these sort of things that you know as a teenage person you might want in a partner uh but yeah i mean i don't i think they're one of these couples that you know 
Spencer goes off to college and they try to make it work and they break up with Thanksgiving, you know. Right, right. Yeah, speaking of uh, dissolving relationships, um, Mrs. Marin and uh, poor Pastor Ted, I was just thinking about how it's odd that, um, well, it's not odd, but it is frustrating and doesn't seem to really have a point when Hannah refuses to sort of talk to anybody about this thing that's happening. Um, but I, I, I guess, you know, functionally for the plot, it lends more credence to Jason being, uh, as manipulative as he is, because if Hannah starts talking about that situation with the other liars, they might be like, well, this is all very coincidental that, uh, this all seems to be centering around Jason. Well, I think, you know, her mom asks her not to do anything about it, and I think she and her mom are a unit, and I think she's trying to be respectful of her mom and letting her, like, she's made herself clear to her mom, like, fix your shit, you know, and she's put in this horrible position, as the liars often are, of having to lie to Ted and lie to her friends and do something to protect her family, and I think that, you know, one of the questions the show keeps asking is, like, when is it appropriate to lie about something? Like, is there ever a good reason to lie about something? When, if the truth is going to hurt someone, mm -hmm. should you tell the truth? Yeah. Um, you know, and I think Hannah does the right thing by, you know, her mom says, okay, I need to figure this out and I may be doing something bad. And Hannah says, all right, figure out your shit and I'm going to try to give you the opportunity to do that and like well no that's that happens after he proposes but when when mm -hmm. she first confronts her mom about it it's her mom is basically just like we're not talking about this like right. put the kibbutz on that right now because or the kibosh on that cuz it's cuz it's like uh it doesn't make any sense how hand I guess it's just, it seems too convenient that Hannah is willing to just not say nothing about it uh, with with her mom uh, specifically just, like, denying it, unless it's sort of a, a plot thing, because it seems like, you know, it can, it, as long as it stays an ancillary uh, occurrence, then we don't have to confront as an audience the fact that Jason is, like, very much manipulating everything else that's happening around that right you know right. so it's sort of like I don't, I don't know it's just um also I, I i totally understand what you're saying about the whole family thing and uh, uh and hannah respecting that but there's there's too much coincidence like hannah hannah's reacting very maturely to this situation uh but even like anybody involved would be like uh what like, what the fuck is going on? Right. Like, that's fucked up and crazy. Right. You know, like, here's this guy. Like, it's just there's so many, like, tangled webs in this one action. Right. You know? Yeah. Well, and, and I think to me, like, you know, we've been very curious about Jason for a long time. And so to me, like, you know, this was the A story of the episode. This was, like, the crucial story. Uh, and, of course, it wasn't. You know, the real story was, like... A, getting a text from Mona because her computer triggered because somebody broke into it. Right. And so she had backup measures, you know. So they're able to track down the computer and get to this storage unit <laughs> with, like, a very stinky 
something inside of it. <laughs> yeah. A preserved, potentially a preserved body. That was, that was a really fun, funny scene uh, when Spencer and Caleb are talking to Spencer's old teacher, I think. Right, right. And... Who comes in with this just, like, wonderful, like, Bronx accent. It's like, oh, hello! Hey, what are you doing? Yeah. Uh, and, and Caleb, like, is like, I need to go to the bathroom. And then walks uh, behind them, and uh, Spencer's teacher is still talking. And Spencer sees him reach in and grab a soda can, and she's like, she like acknowledges what Caleb is doing, even though everyone's all, even though like in the audience we're like, what what is going on? Why did he just do that? Right. Especially like acknowledges like, it. Is he gonna like smoke some pot? Later? <laughs> like what what is going on? Yeah. Why what does he need that for? And then later he brings back the can, and Spencer's like, why do you have this can? And my first thought was, why did you acknowledge that he was doing something? Why didn't you look at him quizzically while while he's like reaching into the right. garbage can? Right. <laughs> well, I thought it was interesting that. Spencer and Caleb got paired up again, mm-hmm. and I wonder if there's going to be a love triangle situation there. Mm-hmm. Um, what would be their their name? I think would be Spaleb. Spaleb. Oh, because the alternative is Cancer, <laughs> cancer. <laughs> which is a pretty unacceptable <laughs> shipper name. So I I think the possibility of Spaleb is interesting. Um, because he has that bad boy appeal and is also a computer hacker and really smart, mm-hmm. you know? Uh, so who knows? Right. I, I think that could, I don't know if the show will go there, but that would be an interesting soap opera twist for it to take much more so than this like middle school looking dude with his button down shirt over his long t-shirt, like uh, straight out of season one of the OC. Yeah. I don't, I don't like that guy at all. No, no. But, I, mean, I, you know, I don't think he's being, like, obviously the path is being laid for him to be a potential love interest. But in these in this particular episode, I really saw it more as, like, here is a way to actually show Spencer as a human and mm-hmm. draw her out and show that, like, yeah, she's into Italy and painting and, like, stuff beyond this sort of preset path her parents have laid for her. You know what, I, I, I gotta, like, air some grievances here about artistic-type characters in shows like this. Uh-oh. Which is, uh, so this, this, this dude who, you know, is, like, he's Mr. Anti-College, uh, which, totally condescending and shitty about, uh, just about going to college in general, and it's just, like, I fuck, like, fuck you, bro. Like, just, you know, just because you... Went to college and didn't think it was your thing doesn't mean that it's totally worthless for every other intelligent person who possibly like enjoys going to college. Uh, second of all, um, the whole the whole time in which he, you know, like he does all of these like quirky but kind of scrappy and also annoying things. Like he's so DIY. Yeah, like he he's paid, making his own paint out of well, like, okay. shit so, in the trash. So first he first he pay, he attempts to pay first and last month's rent, but then he pulls out a whole pocket full of change, and you're just like, oh god, that's annoying. Like really, you couldn't like you couldn't have done done them the benefit of going to the bank and getting that change for bills just to make it easier on your landlords. Right, like you don't have a bank account that you could write a check from yeah. because you're so bohemian. Yeah, and then. He, and then he's like, where's your garbage? And then just starts rummaging through their garbage. And instead of just saying, instead of just saying, uh, I, 
I am going to make my own paint or I'm going to use it for an art project, he just doesn't say anything and then has Spencer eventually like, oh, I figured this out, you know? But it's it's the whole, it's the whole, it's just like, just, just fucking say what you're doing, bro. Like, you're taking garbage and putting it on their counter. Like, you don't even put it on, like, a bag or anything like that. Right. You're it's just super putting gross. garbage on their counter. But, dude, he's so, he's so artistic. He doesn't have to explain himself to the world. Exactly. <laughs> that is what bothers me so much. It's like, artists aren't... Artists aren't inconsiderate douchebags. They're just creative people. Why do you have to always paint an artist in this, in pun definitely not intended, in a, in a way where it's like they are, they have to be inconsiderate in order to be quirky or interesting. Right, because he has to be, in order to be creative, he somehow has to be so different than the way everyone else is. He doesn't is. give a fuck about what the, the uptight... Um, bouge, bougies think of him. Right, as opposed to like <laughs> being able to exist in the world as a coherent person <laughs> yeah. and, and also paint like, and also know how to draw a tree or whatever. <laughs> right. You know, yeah, no, I totally agree with you. And he's like a bummer character and he's so obviously like this bohemian hipster character, but he's not fashionable. Like, he doesn't dress in a way that sort of mm-hmm. shows any recognition of like his personality or what he's supposed to be he's just like literally wearing this like outfit from seth cohen's outfit from like season one of the oc before he learned how to dress you know (laughs) um so that was sort of he's just being presented as like this weird character so far uh and it'll be interesting to see if he becomes sort of a real boy or if he just continues to be this weird vehicle uh although i think we will see him and spencer kiss in the next six episodes that will definitely happen. I'm calling it right now. That's yeah. That's giving a lot of room. Although, I don't know. I mean, covering the course of three days. Right. <laughs> Six episodes covering the course of three I days. I mean, you know, I think she and Kayla, she and um, Toby are going to have a big fight. And he brought up the idea of, well, you're going to go away to college. Like, what should we do? Oh, mm-hmm. man. Um, so, like, the specter of the breakup is sort of already uh, shadowing their relationship. So, yeah, I think, you know. We're entering a period of the show where they have to shake up the relationship stuff, and they did that with Emily um, because, of course, the new cook uh, is like, "Oh, hmm, yeah. I'm gonna, I'm gonna like tell you what to do with your breakup, and then also be flirty and try to see if you're into girls in like a really awkward way." Yeah, like, do you like, do you like, like, hey, check out Ezra's ass. Do you think that that's an attractive? Right, and it's like, yo, that's your boss. Yeah, that's Emily's like not harassment. Even gonna say, yeah, like, Emily's not going to say yes no matter what. You can't have that conversation. <laughs> um, yeah, that seemed like a really sidelong way instead of being like, do you know like any cool clubs or, you know, whatever like the secret code would be. Or she could just like ask her. Or just say, or just say, describe to me your ex. Like, who's your, what's your ex like? Right. You know? I mean, yeah, assuming... Does she, does she, I mean, she's wearing her ex. Like, does she not know that Paige... Was a lady? Yeah. Like, is it not? I mean, that's. I guess what I'm guessing is, is apparently never once has Emily referred to the gender of her, this person that she's, unsuccessfully trying to get over. Right. So that was just like felt super sloppy, and I thought this person was like supposed to be older. You know, you get the impression that she's not in high school; she's a professional person. Yeah. And. You know, of course, he's hitting on this, like, 17-year-old, as every older character on the show is wont to do. I'm starting to realize that, like, that 
age on this show is just really doesn't seem to matter. It, it ain't nothing but a number. Seriously, because, you know, yeah. I, I guess I do appreciate to a certain extent that older women are starting to, you know, get in the pants of younger men on this show, but... Although that's presented as, like, the worst thing ever. True. As, as opposed to... Very good point. All the older men hooking up with younger women, where it's like, you know, it's bad if they're hooking up with Allison, who's evil. Yeah. But, you know, if it's anyone else, it's like, eh, fine. It's meant to be. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's meant Writ to be. Written in the stars. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then, meanwhile, uh, you know, uh, Arya's uh, whole confessional letter in order to get into Talmadge uh, is still like a non-issue. She, she oh, can't I, I love this plot, actually. It just popped up in the register with, cool. an, with finally an a, actual A signature on yeah. it. You know, so we know A is taking credit. And that was like a classic old school, like A being somewhere you would not expect at all. And it's like, yep, here I am. Mm -hmm. still, <laughs> yeah. still, still watching you. So how could A get into that like what what could a do in order to guarantee that that would happen um i mean it just seems it's, like it's a new register so presumably you know i i think solid possibility that ezra is torturing Arya mm -hmm. because he's a crazy person yeah it's, it's i'm i'm willing to accept that um but if it's a and a is cc or holbrook or whatever like, what is the benefit of creating this issue with Arya and Fitz? Is it to draw Fitz out because he has evidence or he has video footage or something that A would want? Mm -hmm. um, and if not, why would A just not hack his stuff directly? So that's this is where things are starting to get, um, I don't know, nonsensical because... Um, if you think that, and we've, we've done this thought experiment before, but I think now is especially, uh, a good time to do so is think about which, if, if, if a character were to be a, what their motivation would be. And, you know, we've done this before with, with Jason, but now's a really good time to do this is say Jason is a. Or say he's he's even if he's not A, I don't really know why he would it'd be he's manipulative and then not A. But if he if he is A and he's manipulating this whole situation, what is his end game? So say he's working with Holbrook. Say he had sex with Mrs. Marin uh, for. The, the benefit to of, be able to blackmail her to be able to blackmail her that's that has to be it right because he knows she's in a relationship and he sleeps with her and then he, she finds out whatever information or he makes her an accomplice to whatever he's doing and he says you can't tell anyone so somehow there is uh incriminating evidence within the, the family business right that mrs Marin could uncover and so he is going to blackmail her what does he gain by manipulating Arya? That's a good question. I mean, I think in in this episode, I think he's just trying to draw out the what she knows about Holbrook, or if there's any secret facts that the liars have that he does not have, mm -hmm. and he knows Spencer's too smart for him to pull any shit with her. But I guess the thing is, it's like so. If the original goal of an an A was to get Allison out of the equation. Right. Like, su success. She's in fucking jail now. 
Right. Like you're done. You're right. So now what's the deal with the girls? Like the as far as far it seems like is if if your goal was to get Allison out of the equation because Allison had evidence of whatever, you know, messed up crazy things you were doing. Mm-hmm. Allison is now in jail. Mm-hmm. She's done. The girls believe that A is her. You could end it right here. Right. The girls would eventually separate, move away. Right. And Allison would rot in jail. Right. And then you're done. Well, I think what if Jason and Cece are partners in this whole evil business mm. and Jason has been trying to get Allison out of the picture this whole time because she had some horrible uh, blackmail business on him. Mm-hmm. I mean, they obviously hate each other. Well, if this is actually the situation, then in in the in this in the uh interactions we've seen where they are alone why aren't they more upfront with each other basically right you know having this whole totally you know i think because that makes the show too easy <laughs> but the real question then is like if he and cc are maybe together and having the secret relationship why did cc dump him the night allison disappears and mm-hmm. is it because allison doesn't want them to be together and they know allison's not dead like and she's out there potentially able to do something, have some hold over them, whatever. Because I think Cece's been a double agent this whole time, mm. like for sure. I think she's been playing Allison, yeah. and if there's a connection, like there has to be some connection with her and Jason. But the question is, like, is there still? Yeah. That that to me is like a big open question and where does melissa fit into it right where like does where does melissa's potential relationship with with jason as a lover and or sister like how does that uh relate to cc yeah and it's and it's just it, it seems just too easy anymore to explain away a lot of this with the fact that the girls are were involved with allison and so somehow deserve culpable yeah, or culpable and deserve punishment as much as she does. Right. Which I think it's a a is omniscient enough to know that the girls had no idea what Allison was doing half the time when she was you know originally alive. Right. Yeah, I don't. You know, I mean, I think this has been the thing through the whole show. Is like I have no idea what the end goal is. Mm-hmm. I have no idea what the end motivation is. And we see in this episode at the end of the episode, Caleb finds out that the storage locker is in Hannah's name. Yeah. So it's all a setup to say Hannah killed Mona, right? Mm-hmm. But why? Like, right. <laughs> so, so Allison can get out. So Holbrook can get Allison out of jail, basically? I like, guess, yeah. But why would you kill Mona in the first place and then frame Hannah? It's just like this endless cycle of like, oh, Spencer's going to jail Hannah's going to jail. Someone's mom is going to jail. You know, just one thing after another, Mm -hmm. all to allow Cece to kill Wilden or Cece to kill Mona and sort of get away with all these things, right? But, like, what else do they want to accomplish um, that they would need Hannah to be in jail or that they would need cover? Well, I mean, I think that, you know, we can look at our prime suspects and just think, what, what do they want more than anything? What does Cece want more than anything? To be Allison. She wants to be Allison. So she wants to be with her bro- be with Allison's brother, 
and get her out of the picture so she can like take over her life. Yeah, but she's destroying this life. Right. Like she's, you know, Mrs. Dealer-Ramses is dead. Right. That's true. You know, like the Mr. Dealer-Ramses is still out of town, I guess, or whatever. I wonder if he goes and visits his daughter. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, I think we've thought really hard about this, probably much harder than anyone <laughs> should ever have thought about this show. As ever not, thought. If you're not in the writer's room. But yeah, I don't I don't see a clear picture, and we just don't know enough about Cece, and we just have not seen enough of Jason to really understand what's going on with them. And I think that's been purposeful. But I also think Cece in particular is just like, a shitty character yeah. and she if she ends up being a like it feels really weak to me mm-hmm. you know she was just like this random friend of allison's who was pretty crazy and as crazy as allison and like right. decided to you know i think melissa has to be involved i to me i would like to see her be involved in some mm-hmm. deep and essential way because i think she is a really dark and and well-drawn character um but you know she's out of the country and so she just gets to be a non-factor for season 5b until she you know until she magically comes back which i'm sure we'll see yeah which will be sometime but yeah i think it's it's hard it is really hard because you want to be um sort of pushed forward uh with with an understanding of characters motivations and yet we can't do that because these motivations are are kept from us purposely. Well, you know, it's funny because we, Hillary and I have been watching The Fall mm-hmm. uh, on, on Netflix, which is this just, you know, one of the best made TV shows I've ever seen. It really is just astounding. And it's about uh, this investigator played by um, Agent Scully, mm-hmm. uh, who is tracing this serial killer who is murdering young professional women in just like the most grisly and horrifying ways. Uh, and you know who the killer is from episode one. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. And the show parallels the hunt for him with his actions and his motivations and how he tries to keep his own life from spiraling out of control. Mm-hmm. So from minute one, you know, you were aware of what's going on and you were following this guy. And what becomes interesting is like, how insane is this guy? What does he want? Mm-hmm. What, are, what are his limits? Uh, and just like the sheer suspense of watching this murderer like hang out with his kids hang out with his wife uh and pretty little liars does not give us that satisfaction at all it's very elusive it's like well here's this character and we think it's one thing and we're gonna run with that for a while but then it's gonna be this other thing or some new shoe there's always another shoe that drops right and that's why you know i felt like this episode was one of of distractions uh capital a capital a Mm -hmm. distractions Uh um you know, not 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 in a bad way, but it just felt like things. The liars came came to conclusions way too obviously, or just totally avoided overthinking things. Right. Well, I think in the last couple episodes, we've seen, especially from Spencer and Caleb, who are like, we don't even want to deal with this anymore. Yeah. I think it's almost like reaching the point of burnout, mm-hmm. where they're like, Allison's in jail. We thought she was the problem. Yeah. Um, why are we still dealing with? finding evidence and they, they just feel like wiped out and they just want to like they're super over it mm-hmm. and that's why they don't want to open the barrel and be like well let's look at mona's floating head or whatever <laughs> yeah her her mush um mona as sludge 
I think the one thing we should we haven't mentioned yet is the uh, end of the episode. We finally get an A scene. Mm-hmm. Um, someone in a hoodie comes into Holbrook's office. Yeah, pulls out a bag of candy, some caramels. Yeah, and just has a key to his office, to his drawer, mm-hmm. and types in his password, which is seven letters. Um, oh, you count it? I did. Allison has six letters, uh, but De Laurentiis has more letters, so probably oh, does not. Does Allison have two L's or one L? One L. Oh. So not Alice. It's it's not so she's not the name. I thought it was interesting that they showed us, you know, the act of typing each individual asterisk. So you could sort of be like, oh, what what might the password yeah, be? Yeah, yeah. Um, but he logs into whoever it is logs into Holbrook's account. Okay, is the is it Holbrook, it, it could be who's, Holbrook who's sneaking back in when he's supposed to be like on some other case? Is it Toby, donning Toby. his donning his old uniform, or is it something? Is it like Cece on? On an errand from from whoever, yeah, and it's like the the caramels thing. It, I mean, that's like obviously this huge clue of like who likes candy, who's into caramel, and maybe there's like a Pretty Little Liars wiki that would actually explain this to us. Yeah, because it has to be. It doesn't have to be, but it, it like should be something that the show has told us before, mm-hmm. or we're gonna see it in a future episode. Oh yeah, I would imagine so. It's like the, uh, it's like the the pizza box. In the see, like remember the pizza box? Yes, absolutely. So that points directly to Jason being involved. Totally, and, and, and this is playing out more and more. Where, yeah, okay. So Jason's involved. Concluded. Jason's yeah. involved. Oh, a hundred percent, a hundred percent. Until until proven otherwise, he is guilty of something. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, maybe it's just the NAT club. Yeah, I think you know Jason, Melissa. It all goes back to the NAT club, which was never really, which was never resolved. No. Half of the people are dead. Melissa fled the country and Jason's still just hanging out doing his thing. What was the purpose of the NAT club in the first place? It was the gross pervert bros just taking videos of young women all the time. Yeah. But may, you know, I mean, the show was so into in the first couple seasons of like, here's an extra 30 seconds of footage that you didn't see. Mm-hmm. And there's all this secret footage and it all explains things. And that continued with Fitz and this sort of surveillance mode that he was in and the idea yeah. that everything was being filmed. And, you know, we haven't really dealt with that in a minute. They haven't stumbled upon any weird footage. So it feels like the show has sort of gotten away from the NAT club as like the driving force of the mystery and especially with Allison being back, it's more just like the sort of whirlwind of her. But yeah, I mean, that that's still super unresolved and super directly related to why Allison was attacked or left or whatever. You know, you know what I just thought? You know who could be in that barrel? Who? Who could be in there? Eddie Lamb. That's true. So like some, someone who just disappeared, who we never heard back from, who knew something. Yeah. Could absolutely be Eddie Lamb, but you know Eddie he's a big Lamb. he's a big guy. I don't know if he's going to well, squish in there. But if you're getting dissolved, uh, yeah, I don't even want to think about it. <laughs> it's pretty grisly. I appreciate that the show like spelled that out. That they were like that. Caleb was like, so either he's being preserved like a frog, or she's being you know turned into mush. Mush. And Spencer's so just like, uh. yeah, <laughs> which is great. Which is great. <laughs> Caleb's a smart guy, but yeah, but he was just like, maybe he just didn't want to admit the truth. 
It could be Mona Stew or Eddie Lamb Stew. Who else has disappeared that we haven't heard back from? I yeah, I don't know. Everyone seems to go away for a while and then come back. Um, but I think it's Mona. I hope it's Mona because if it's Eddie Lamb, then we have to be like, but what about Radley? Mm-hmm. You know, and we have to go back to there, and it's like well, it all goes back to Radley. It's it's true. It goes back to the NAT club, and it goes back to Radley, uh, and you know the more distance the show puts between itself and those things to an extent, you know, it, you're just killing time because that's where the, that's where I think the show is going to lead us. Mm. And it's fine. They have, you know, episodes and this episode was like suspenseful and funny and I think well done. How come we never saw Noel Khan at the funeral or we haven't seen him? Where, where's Noel Khan in all of this? I think he peaced out. I think he got spooked and got out of town, which is so easy to do when you're 17 years old. Yeah, and you're rich. Right, right. When you're rich and 17. Well, that's, you know, to circle back to the the hipster um, artist bro, you know, this this is, I, you know, whenever you read, like, one of these blog posts of, like, someone who, oh, I'm traveling around the world, and I'm just making a go of it, and I don't have <laughs> a house, and I don't have responsibilities, and it's like, man, you know, that's cool, but mm-hmm. I look at my bank account, and I look at, you know, how you would actually go about doing that even yeah. if you even if you like were did it in the cheapest possible way and like traded services for whatever trade like sketches trade sketches for boarding man yeah i mean ride. you know there are people who i think are super charismatic and are just able to be figure these things out and rely on the kindness of strangers but you know i see some of these blogs and it's just like man it is so like reckless and irresponsible to be like you know, presumably this person came from this position of privilege mm-hmm. and, like, didn't have any student debt hanging over their head. And they were just like, all right, I have enough money to, like, buy a plane ticket and not have to think about any real responsibilities yeah. and just peace out, you yeah. know? Mm-hmm. And it's, like, cool for those people. But <laughs> I just, you know, for the average person, you know, who, like, has student loans or has to deal with, like, their family or whatever it is in your life that keeps you tethered to your life... You know, yeah. it's just like, it's, it seems such like a privileged and, you know, a little bit selfish thing to do. Uh, and like the, it's just romanticized in a way that I, you know, as someone who like attempts to live in the real world, you know, well, but I, I find it a little bit irksome. That's, well, that's, that's sort of, you know, I guess that's another way of saying why I am so put off by the character in general as far, I guess even just like the tropes of the artistic character uh, that are expressed by, uh, like, the Seth Cohen bro, is that he, the, not only is, uh, not only does, is it weird that, like, Spencer is just attracted to his whole shtick because it's different, you know? Right. I know plenty of people uh, in similar circumstances who are attracted to, uh, because they're having, like, you know, a kerfuffle in their own relationship, they're attracted to something completely different and not really thinking that, oh, maybe this isn't good for me. It's just something different. And for her, it's like she would never, she would never just get up and leave and go, uh, you know, hitchhike around Europe. She, Spencer Hastings, she likes uh, wool peacoats and expensive clothes and right. luxury. Like, she's not going to just, like, 
go be poor. She's not a bohemian. She's a very intelligent person who could is resourceful and could take care of herself, but she's used to the finer things in life. And sure. she's not someone who really wants to give it up. But I think also that, you know, she's at a point in her life where, you know, this guy is saying, well, college is just people sitting in dorms figuring out who they are. Mm-hmm. And it's like, yeah, it is. Because you need to be out on your own and meeting other people and like not living in your bubble. Exactly. The way that he says it is so condescending. And I don't understand why you, in order to portray romanticism, youthful romanticism, it has to be expressed by an incredibly self-absorbed character. Right. And I think, I think the message that the show is trying to present is that like, you know, you don't have to live this life that your parents charted you on Mm -hmm. where you go to brown and you be like your sister and you live this perfect little life yeah you know and it's like here's this complete wildly different alternative and this guy did it and he lives in there out in the shed and he makes his own paint and he makes their garbage yeah so you know things are going okay for this guy i guess whatever um so i think it's more about the show sort of trying to give the message to spencer and thus to its viewers like you can try other things. You can be different from the person you yeah. thought you were. You yeah. know, uh, you can scare yourself. And I think those are all good things to take to heart. But yeah, like the source of the message is this guy who's like, you know, kind of a screw up. He's <laughs> just like this incompetent person. Right. I want to see some of his art. Right. Well, hopefully there'll be sketches of demons, you know, just digging up uh <gasps> Digging up Ooh. Mrs. De Laurentiis. Oh I, I wonder what he's going to find in the barn. You're right. Because the barn has been like a, a grounds for all kinds of madness. And Melissa was going out there and they caught her on tape. And there was like rat poison in the barn There's and all that poison. stuff. Yeah. I don't really, I don't even remember like what that was for, but poisoning somebody. I think that it was used to poison, possibly poison Mrs. De Laurentiis. Right. Something like that. Right. Yeah. So, yeah, you know. Lots of, I think he'll, I hope he is rummaging through the barn and discovers something crazy. And he's like, oh, hey, Spencer, what's this thing that I found? (laughs) Yeah. And then maybe Spencer will confide in him as her relationship with Toby dissolves. Right. Right. I don't remember what this guy's name is. It doesn't matter. Um, But I think the, I I regret comparing him to Seth Cohen, who is uh, one of the most wonderful television characters of our, of our time. And this guy doesn't deserve to carry his comic book collection. <laughs> who else? Who else wears clothes like this? This bro. Probably somebody from Dawson's Creek. Like Pacey. It just felt like very like something that someone would wear when I was in middle school in like 1998 mm-hmm. was like a t-shirt with like a button-down shirt from Target, like over it and not buttoned. It's like very much like, you know, hip young 13-year-old. Right. Yeah. He's like Pacey. Like Pacey from Dawson's Creek. Yeah. And then, oh, and then if they start a ship together, they would be Spacey. Well, this guy has another name. Yeah. So it's something. Well, it doesn't matter whatever we call him. Yeah. We're going to call him Spacey. <laughs> Spacey. They get together. Yeah, I look forward to Spacey. I look forward to, to Spalub potentially being a thing. And a schism between Hannah and Spencer would be interesting. Uh, but we'll see. Yeah, there doesn't really seem to be any sort of uh, um, uh, domestic dispute between Caleb and Hannah right now. No, they although seem Hannah to... is not telling Caleb, like yet another thing that Hannah doesn't tell Caleb is what's going on with her mom. 
or that she visited Allison, which was yeah. like a big deal in this episode for about three seconds. And the show was like, mm, okay, moving on. I guess that's the whole point. That that was sort of the whole purpose of that conversation between Arya and Hannah, right. which is just to reveal the fact that Hannah like is finally telling somebody that she went to that to visit Allison, and then and then she tells Arya, well. I'm going to go, like, I'm going to tell the others I will. And it's like, no, you're not, Hannah. Right. You're not going to, you're, you're not going to. I think they all need to sit down and have a conversation where no one freaks out and they just, like, lay out a bunch of stuff onto a piece of paper mm-hmm. and just say, like, huh, like, let's draw a word cloud and try to connect some of these elements. And, like, they might discover quite a bit. Right, right. And actually, <laughs> actually think about what's going on. Um, but, you know, that would require the show becoming more of a detective show. Or more of a procedural drama. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> yeah. And it will not be doing that. Because it is a show about cute boys. It is. It is a show about cute boys. Um, and and cute, cute chefs. Yeah, cute, cute chef ladies. Oh, yeah. Yeah, she is cute. Um, yeah, so I think that we covered everything. I agree. Um, I, don't, I don't really have anything to plug this week. Um, nor do I. I'm drinking some almond milk. It's The taste is really intense, more so than I was expecting from past almond milk uh, drinking sessions. Um, so yeah. I don't really know if I like it or not. I usually drink actual cow milk, but this is what's in the fridge. L- listeners didn't see the look on your face when you took that, that drink. <laughs> <laughs> I was a little bit perplexed. Uh, I'm drinking some wine. I don't really know what brand it was. I, it's kind of, I just got it it was cheap it was it was cheap at the zoo pans um so if you've made it this far uh thank you you can subscribe in itunes which you probably have already you can star us in itunes which helps other people find this uh helpful and interesting podcast yeah no one's really starred us in a while yeah we need some more reviews i know you're out there i see we see you downloading just go on go on that itunes Give us five stars. It's really easy to give us five stars. (laughs) It's really easy. Um, We are we're we're good quality. Uh, We are also on Twitter um, at PLGM Podcast. Yeah, please send us your theories because we're just over here in our little bubble, coming up with these ideas and sending them out into the ether. And if you've made it this far in our podcast, I know the wheels are turning in your brain. Mm -hmm. So like, send us your your ideas as well, and we will or send us questions. Uh, yeah. or, or talking points and we will address them on a future podcast yeah if we if we get questions we will definitely develop a segment in which we answer questions I would love that that would that would be cool I would like to have that segment we can just be we can be just like Gilmore Bros or whatever that show's called <laughs> yeah I don't I don't know do they have a do you ever listen to them I, I don't but what I hear is that they answer questions oh man I would love to answer <laughs> questions all yeah, I ever so have are my own questions right right well isn't that all any of us Ever truly have. Yeah. And if you've made it this far, then you would also know that we, at one point, we had a uh, very specific sign-off um, tagline, but uh, last time we tried a new one, and I think I want to try it out this week. Lay it on us. Yeah. Trust no one, bitches. Trust no one, bitches.